Welcome to The Lore You Know, a show where we chat with some amazing human beings who are storytellers, collectors, and folklorists as we discuss the history of, inspiration behind, and importance of recording and sharing regional tales. Today, I am joined by the amazing Kristen Puckett. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. First, I want to say I didn't realize, <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I knew this was yours because you have very distinct uh, imagery, but Seth was bragging about how this is an original that he got from the Mothman Festival of yours. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea he was the one who got that. Yeah. He actually, the original sketch. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's in the, the office. You get swarmed at the Mothman Festival. You just, you don't know what's happening. Yeah, I know. That's where I got to meet you for the first time in person was at the 2019 one. Um, And I didn't bring my Poplick print, but that's the one that I got from you there. I have the original of that one that I'll give to you next time. (gasps) I like to make sure they go to good homes, you know? Oh yeah. He's one of my favorites. The Pope. Yeah, he was, he was the second or third one I drew. Mm-hmm. Such a good story. He might have been the first one I did of an illustration in general, but of the yeah. anatomy studies. It was yeah. still pretty early. Such a good, spooky story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, before we even get into uh, the story part, can you tell us your place in the cryptid and paranormal community? Um, I like to think of myself as a collector and a listener. I... Yeah. I don't put a lot of my own, well, I don't have a lot of stories to give, really. I have never had a paranormal experience. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, but it's kind of like you're a kid. Everything's spooky when you're a kid. Right. <laughs> so I've always just been fascinated by people who have had these really powerful, mysterious things happen to them. And a lot of people seem to dismiss their stories or, um, just like you've heard one, you've heard them all, but I like to really sit down, listen to them and try to categorize them and ask questions like, what if this is real? What if every story everyone's ever told is real? What would that look like? And that's kind of what I try to offer. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular uh, region that has caught your attention more than others when it comes to these kind of tales? Well, my family is from Appalachia, so of course, right now, I kind of just focus on that and I probably will never get out of that. <laughs> There's yeah. just so much content and I feel like I can't move on until I've covered it all. But uh, even West Virginia, I recently did a book on all of West Virginia's lures and still to this day, I get people messaging me like, you forgot one. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. It's huge for those. It's who- huge a huge book and you have so many in here that I've never even heard of Um, yeah yeah I've got I think five more to add to it oh yeah it never never yeah how are you getting these stories you said people message you and tell you that you've missed one is that primarily how you or that's primarily I I don't go out looking for West Virginia stories anymore now yeah like I'll be researching Ohio which is where I'm working on right now and then mm-hmm. there'll be like a footnote or a brief mention. And I'm like, oh, no, I got to go back to West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The but, So uh, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I was just gonna say I, I meet people at conventions and they'll they'll tell me right. you missed this one or you got this story wrong and that happens a lot I'm like mm-hmm. well now I have to do a subspecies or something yeah <laughs> are there any like really obscure stories that kind of caught your attention from people coming up and telling you about something that is maybe really localized actually my grand my grandfather told me a story a few months ago he asked me what I did for work and you know I I, I kind of don't tell people that because it's a whole thing you have to explain the whole thing about mm-hmm. it and he's like oh we have a monster right here on our road and I was like I've never heard of that in my life we, we our family lives on the same road and we we have our whole life on it and he's like oh it's called Tommy Raw- Rawhead and we always kind of mess with each other our whole family just lies all the time that's just how we have fun. And you see if you can trick someone into believing something. Sure. And his name's Tommy. And I was like, yeah, okay. And he's like, no, no, I will, I will get the thing for you. There's like a rhyme. And it's a real thing. And it's based in European folklore, which um, our family came from Europe. Uh, I think we were one of the first families to travel to America and colonize. I'm not too... I don't know too much about our family history, but it's just really amazing and cool to think that that story has persevered through so many, so many generations. So that's a new special story to me. Yeah, that's that's exciting. I'm going to ask you about that one later because that's really cool. Okay. Um, so when we first started, you, we were talking about the Pope Lick Monster. And I was curious, one, is that one of your favorite stories? It used to be my most favorite story. Over time, I've been exposed to so many others that I think maybe the novelty wore off. <laughs> I, I grew up in the uh, Tri-State area, so it was like half an hour drive from Kentucky and to West Virginia, and I lived in Ohio. So I kind of was in the golden zone. But I grew up hearing about Mothman, Bigfoot, the Loveland Frogman, and then the Pope Monster. And there was something so demonic and chilling about it that it fascinated right. it fascinated me and you know as an artist the opportunity to draw such a eerie bridge and the figure the people jumping off of it the fog it's just right. hard to it's an opportunity you don't want to miss and it's really powerful yeah yeah can you go into what all is encompassed in the Pope Lick story so from what I understand, and I've never, I've never met anyone who can tell me about the story. The only thing is I've ever read or heard about it are online mm-hmm. or like articles about people worrying about legend trippers, which are just people who try to live out a story or they want to investigate a dangerous plot. Um, but as I understand, the public monster is a satyr-like figure or a demonic entity that has the appearance of a goat and he lures people who are out at night when they're not supposed to, usually teenagers, uh, to climb up this old bridge and jump off or get hit by a train. Depends. So I don't know why he does it. Just evil. There's a lot of different origin stories too. There's one of... uh, satanistic uh farmer mm-hmm. there's one of like the devil himself and then there's just 
he is a natural occurring creature. Right, right. Yeah, that that theme, I feel like I've heard kind of uh, mirrored in other Goatman type stories when it comes to a bridge in a Goatman. Yeah. The similar ideas about that. That Then the Legend Trippers part, when I got to go down to visit, I've only been there once, but they had a memorial up for a, a young woman who had gone up on the tracks because that's a heavily trafficked piece of railroad there. I mean, it's an active railroad. Um, But I like that whole idea of legend tripping. um, I don't know if there are any in our area that would be more dangerous to go check out necessarily then. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of any. There are a lot of tunnels, but they're not the same type of dangerous. You can mm-hmm. see cars coming and going. I guess yeah. maybe coal mines. That might be a bit of a problem further south. Um, there's a few cryptids like Bigfoot and subhumanoids, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I know my my dad used to go caving, not for monsters, but uh, to look for like rocks or or cool artifacts. And he always would tell me the story every year. Something my family do, does. They'll take the, tell the same stories every year during certain occasions. And when I was a kid, it, it drove me crazy. Like I've heard this story a million times. I don't ever want to hear it again. But now I appreciate it because I have it memorized almost. But he would tell me when they would go exploring caves that one time they did, he saw this like arrowhead and it was, he wanted to touch it because it just, it really drew him. And he reached out to grab it, but it kept, he kept having to go further and further into the cave. But Mm. uh, the deeper he went, he started losing consciousness and there was not enough air back there and he got stuck. And so he panicked, which made, you know, the breathing worse. And uh, someone had to pull him out. Luckily they were close enough. Like, don't ever go in caves. (laughs) (laughs) Where was that cave? Uh, somewhere in Kentucky. Wow. And I don't think he ever got the arrowhead out either. Probably not. Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's another dangerous thing, I guess. And one that you wouldn't think about necessarily. Caves. Right. So as much as I'd love to go visit different places where magical or awful things have happened, just to see it and really feel closer to it in a way I always remember that story is like you remember the real life dangers that are there too instead of just the fantastical ones that's true that's true um so since the Pope Lick monster has shifted from one of your favorites to not so much the favorite now what is what would be your favorite cryptid it's always a hard question to answer um I love I'm beginning to love Ohio cryptids a lot more as you're away from home, you start to miss the things that you didn't care so much about. Um, I love the grass man, the, the leveling frogman's adorable. And I just love the idea of these little chubby amphibians rocking, walking around. And uh, the Musy Beasy, which is a Native American folklore creature that's uh, it's a aquatic catfish-like monster with deer horns. And it guards the Ohio River. Wait, what's this called again? 
think it's pronounced Meezy Beezy. It's okay. spelled M-S-I-B-I-S-S-I. Huh. There's a there's a little stone and um, plaque that shows like a carving they made of it. And I've lived there my whole life and I'd never heard of it. Yeah, me either. I'm in Ohio too. And I had never heard of that creature. I, I haven't gone down to visit it yet, but that's one thing I definitely need to do. Mm-hmm. When you're, so you're gathering all of these Ohio crypt, is it going to be a similar uh, situation with a book that you're ultimately wanting to put together? Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting with big feet and aquatic creatures. And I didn't realize how many big feet there are in Ohio. I didn't, how many are there? there? Well, the sightings are, I wouldn't even be able to tell you how many sightings. I, what I do is I look for the sightings and I look for similarities and then I'll group them. And then I'll see if they happen in the same region. And I'll say, well, this is one Bigfoot species. Because while that's not, I'm not trying to prove anything. It's just for enjoyment, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. I, I've been seeing things that are in common. Like the wild man of Enon. I'm sure you've heard of him. Nope. <laughs> oh, no. So <laughs> they're like thin, big feet with long hair and long beards. But they're like a man. Okay. And they're about six, five to six feet tall. And across Ohio, there are different, slightly different variations. Their hair color might be different or they might be more aggressive, but they all like their rocks. They're all more human-like than ape-like. It's just like really fascinating. And then there's orange eyes. But the further south you go, his eyes aren't orange, they're yellow. And it's just mm. a strange note yeah. of why, why would we seeing or telling this slightly different and then you can also see a pretty big difference in height the swampier areas tend to have smaller big feet up north the big feet are huge and then shawnee forest like seven foot tall big feet mm-hmm. and there's really no explanation for it just maybe people certain areas of people aren't very good at judging distances you just <laughs> you never know yeah what about the different names because um what you say Grassman? are there other nicknames like that there are there's like i said the wild man and enon yellow eyes um the minerva monster the minerva yeah. monsters aquatic i think yeah there's um there is a bigfoot in minerva i'd have to pull up my yeah he's in the minerva monster Oh, yeah. He is. yeah, it's he the Minerva monster. In the water. There, there is like a little a lake uh, or a pond that was near where the sighting was, but I don't think he's necessarily in the water. He travels around a little bit, but. Um, there was one someone was telling me about last year at the Scioto River, they saw a Bigfoot climb out of the water when we had, the, had that big flood. Mm-hmm. Like, that's an amazing story I definitely want to do something with that yeah um, and then there's more primate like big feet and that I've discovered that are more vocal creatures mm. and a lot of people in Ohio describe Bigfoot sounds more like dogs whereas in my West Virginia research they seem to describe them more like a managed sound mm. that's interesting 
So if we go the opposite way from like Bigfoot to like super small creatures, what's like the smallest cryptid that you've come across, whether in Ohio or West Virginia? I'm trying to think there's so many to go through. <laughs> Probably one of the insects. Um, a lot of the insects are more supernatural, which a lot of people wouldn't, are not supernatural, um, old wives tales, superstition. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wouldn't count that as a cryptid. Cryptids in the general sense are usually these big, larger than life monsters. Whereas uh, superstitious animals are more like mundane, but they have something magical about them. Mm-hmm. Like there's supposed to be this kind of dragonfly that brings you good luck or can predict if you're going to marry in the next year or not. And there's ladybugs that if you touch them, they'll bring you joy or you'll have a memory where it means someone's thinking of you. Hmm. And there's no really real way to tell whether it's a magical ladybug or a normal ladybug. So sort of my my addition to the story is to make them more fantastical and hopefully more memorable so that these little sayings and things don't die. Right. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, what got you into all of this to begin with? Um, well, I grew up around a bunch of storytellers and I was not allowed to watch or read scary anything, which I wasn't a rebellious kid, but one day I accidentally took a scary storybook from the library and I read it and I was like, oh, this is terrible, but I love it. (laughs) So (laughs) I just started getting as many scary storybooks as I could and I'd like take them home and hide them and then I'd also take um, animal books and I'd read those and I'd tell everyone animal facts and scary story facts and I'd just I'd sit around and I'd write my own stories and I just think what it what would it be like if I met this thing and I guess I never grew out of that that's awesome did you ever get caught with those books no I recently my mom about it and she's like I cannot believe you did that (laughs) you would have been in so much trouble but we we were I grew up in a really religious family and it wasn't that we didn't have our own version because I remember the first the first thing that was scary that I remember was my grandmother telling me not to do something I think it was it was something about talking to dead people like something real you know because I had seen a shadow at night and it, it made me really scared and I wouldn't go back to that room. And she's like, don't you open the door? And I was like, what door? She's like, if you open the door, demonic activity will happen. And then, <laughs> so I had a lot of questions. Yeah. And so she had all these ideas and superstitions about things you shouldn't do, or you would, you know, encounter these demonic spirits and how to tell the difference between demonic spirits and angels and it was just very odd and I've never been able to understand where she's gotten some of these ideas from mm-hmm. they're not traditional Christian belief it must it probably links back to Appalachian superstition and I have it it's really hard I've, I've looked for books on Appalachian superstition and witchcraft but the information is not super available or at least the books aren't popping up first you know right what like what's an example of one of those things that you're trying to find the origin for 
I'd have to look back at my notes. They were like um, you weren't allowed to do anything that is superstition from another point of view. Like you couldn't use a um, a dowsing rod. You shouldn't say magic words, even if they're like fictitious magic words. Okay. Um, certain things about like walking in doorways certain ways or if mm-hmm. you see something like a, a shadow don't talk to it don't ever use ouija board mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know how many times my parents would talk sit me down and be like don't ever do this if your friends have you do this you know it will yeah. ruin your life <laughs> <laughs> oh man well so now i'm curious just because i know from our discussions that uh you play dungeons and dragons like how would that go yeah. over? Well, I played for the first time when I was 17 and I debated whether or not I should tell them about it. I did. Mm-hmm. And of course it was met as you'd expect because the religion of the game, somehow that translates into real. Like you're really worshiping these other gods and mm-hmm. these things are real in a spiritual sense. And I was mm-hmm. like, I explained it to them and they were receptive and I actually got them to play once and I think they're a little bit more understanding now. Yeah. It's when you grow up with such a, like everyone's the same, everyone has the same beliefs. It's hard to like take a chance, like listen and understand what these things that seem so scary are. Right. But they understand now that some things are just make believe. It's not, everything's not serious. Not Mm -hmm. everything isn't some, Thing that's trying to steal your soul or corrupt you it's just people like to enjoy imagining things telling stories and uh, they they like my books now too and they'll read other things and they'll watch scary movies and shows but it, it disturbs them in a way that I've never experienced because mm. it's, it's real in a way to them that it isn't right right yeah the that was part of your kickstarter were some of the uh, like RPG uh, care, like the monsters in statistical form for gaming. Right. Yeah. And I remember you sent me a few to test out. I was in the middle of a Curse of Strahd campaign, which has been defunct now because of COVID, but I yeah. threw the Grafton monster in, which had nothing to do with Curse of Strahd, that whole like layout that that world but what we had a guest player that night and so I had him like come in through a portal in the middle of fighting this creature and it was the Grafton monster <laughs> that he fought um and you know the people that I was playing with it they just saw it as another monster they didn't really they weren't super excited but I was like it's the Grafton monster like whatever that is <laughs> that's disappointing yeah, but I mean, I found it entertaining. And as the DM, that's the most important part. It is. <laughs> um, well, some people have just experienced the same monsters over and over. It's nice to yeah. have something you're not exposed to and you don't know the weaknesses. You don't know their story. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, not even, it's not just more difficult for the game and the players, but it's more like discovery. Yeah, it's exciting. Right. Yeah, there's too many players that have uh, memorized the bestiary. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's um, that's what 
kind of got me into making that version of the book. Like, this would be mm-hmm. great. They won't notice that because I don't even notice that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I like that a lot. Oh, man. Um, so you said that you haven't like gone out and really investigated some of these areas where cryptids are, but if you could, and there were no, no worries about danger or, you know, like bears or cougars or anything, where would you want to, who would you want to seek out or go check out a location? I guess some of the, the Bigfoot hotspots would be pretty neat to see. I've been in a few of them in Ohio, not mm-hmm. on purpose. You just kind of end up there and you're like, oh, I've been there. Uh, of course, I'd love to, uh, there's this one cave person saw a giant humanoid figure with a bat wing and it, I think it was somewhere in southern West Virginia cowboy lingo part okay and I'd love to go there caves are dangerous and I must go in one <laughs> <laughs> have you gone to any regular caves just like mammoth cave yeah, or anything I, like that I think Something about that story did the opposite effect for me because I'm like super into caves and every time I see one I'll go into it but I'll just like set my foot in not all the way I won't go deep but I have to go see what it's like inside but I've been to um the giant caves in New Mexico that was that's probably my favorite place on the entire planet it's just hours of just walking underground it's just like I'm like I could live here this is spooky and dark just it's like a different world and then uh, there's caves in Hawking Hills which I'm sure you've been to and then Carter Caves in Kentucky um Mammoth Cave I've been to been to there (laughs) yeah if there's a cave I'll come I'll come visit it (laughs) that's awesome what are some uh, cryptids that are associated with caves I feel like we don't talk about them too much uh, there's not a whole lot in our area, which is very, very wrong, and I will make up some to make up for it. <laughs> um, there's one, only one in West Virginia, which is very, very loosely related to it, but I saw the opportunity. This thing has to live in a cave, because where else can a giant bat live except Mothman? Because Mothman lives in an abandoned building. Or he did. He did at least at one time until they tore his house down. Yeah. To be sanguizagay, which it just is a fancy word for blood drinker. Some okay. monsters don't have names, so I have to think of a way of making one for them. Hmm. So it depends on the creature. Like with vampires, you want something that sounds old and Latin. Right. So that's, that's like the tradition. But then you yeah. have other things like these different types of water horses. And people like to give those fun, cute names. So for the Appalachian water horse, which is said to go in and out of water. Well, he has to be named Winifred because that's what he looks like. Yeah. But other than the giant vampire bat in Pennsylvania, I know of one called the subhumanoids. And they're like these little, little goblin creatures that live in abandoned Minecraft. Mm. And apparently some coal miners encountered one. They accidentally broke into like their home. I don't remember the story exactly. This was back when I was doing my thesis work, which was cryptid related. Ooh. And I drew a picture for a coloring book for it. 
and there were these white, huge-eyed monsters that were about three feet tall. And the men were so scared that they they hurried up out of the tunnel and they refused to work that day. I think that's how the story goes, at least. Yeah. Tell me about your thesis. Um, I went to the University of Alaska Fairbanks and part of the fine arts program is at the end of your degree program, you have to present your body of art and what it means, what it means to you as a person, what it means to the community. So I was, I was so homesick being so far away and it's dark all day in the winter. So it's still sad, so it's sad reflection time. And I was just thinking about all the things I missed from home. And oddly enough, it was like scary stories and like spooky things and how that um, expresses humanity and how it kind of binds people together. Because when you, when you share stories, when you talk about stories and repeat them, you kind of bind yourself to each other's way. You, mm-hmm. like, uh, I always think of my stories as like my children. And then, you know, eventually they go out and they find someone and they have more children. <laughs> Yeah. It's just everyone's pieces are being put together. Uh-oh. What happened? Oh, I had a little phone call. Interrupt. Oh, you had a phone call? Okay. <laughs> All right. So children going out and mingling with other children. <laughs> <laughs> well, they become adults when... Right. Okay. Know, yeah, yeah. Yes. They, they mature. They evolve. They take on new features that you didn't give them that Mm -hmm. but um I swear I've always been a way I've connected with people I I'm pretty like quiet person and I won't approach people and every time I talk with someone I'm like oh I'm so stupid and they'll never they'll never talk to me again and I just sit at home for a week and I just think about everything I said that was stupid (laughs) I do that too yeah (laughs) I've learned that it's a thing everyone does, so Mm -hmm. I feel better, and now I do, like, a podcast, and I do interviews, and I feel like I've grown as a person. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more of a a writing people thing. Mm -hmm. Like, people are more drawn to putting your thoughts and feelings in paper, because you can kind of fine-tune it and make sure what you're trying to express is exactly what you're trying to express. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I'm looking at your, the Grassman picture that we have here, and I was thinking of all the, I mean, aside from the imagery, you have little statistics that you put around the, uh, the creatures. And yeah. can you explain a little more about what, what inspires you to put particular bits of info is it something really unique uh that caught your attention are there certain things that are static between all of them for every story i I take it really seriously because not only does it mean something to me but it it means something to everyone who has had an experience with it or is connected to the story so i want to make sure i get it right so i'll do research into like local plants local animals try to make it as legitimate and native to where it belongs. And then I'll find every sort of mention of it. I'll make sure every detail is there. I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. So all these notes are every little bit of information I can find. 
That's awesome. And then some the others are just kind of like tying it to an area and just showing that like I care about it and I'm taking it seriously and personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I that's appreciated for sure. Uh, when you talked about having your some of your first exposure to this stuff was from the library books that you took. Um, are there any stories that you remember from those early books that really stuck with you over the years, whether they're ghost story or cryptid related or? There's one. Um, I bought this this book. It was called In the Land of the Lawn Weenies. And you wouldn't think it was a scary story collection. And I've asked, I've tried to find this book and I, well, I'm not too hard because I, I could find it on the internet. There's not going to yeah. be a lot of <laughs> titles, but no one, no one I know has read this book or knows anything about it. Like, I know it exists somewhere. Yeah. There was this story about this family on a beach and these sharks kept coming out of the sand and chasing them. And I don't know why it's such a silly story. Like that's yeah. really weird. And I guess, I guess the more strange something is, the more it sticks with me. Because the regular story, scary stories, they're yeah. <laughs> you know they're they're good, but I don't remember them in detail. I don't remember anything in detail to be honest. But I right. do remember sand sharks. <laughs> That's great. What did you say that was called in the land of the what? I think it was called in the land of the lawn weenies. And it was a bunch of hot dogs mowing grass. And it was a scary story. It was a scary story about middle-aged dads mowing grass. And the grass was (laughs) controlling their minds. It was a wonderful book. Yeah, that sounds cool. I'm going to look that one up for sure. That, (laughs) that, um, yeah, because in my when I was in elementary school, everybody kind of fought over the scary books in the library. It and uh, the one it was a red binding. You couldn't. It didn't have words on it or anything, but everybody knew which book it was. There was a red one and a black one, I think. And they were the scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, yes. Series. Yes. Yeah, I that, remember those. You'd, <laughs> you'd have to reserve that one because people were on a waiting list for that. I think I only had. 80 to 90 kids in my class Mm. and you still couldn't rent that book it was always gone (laughs) yeah yeah somebody probably took it at one point I imagine (laughs) I can imagine that I think we had two copies I eventually I worked in the library we had two like double copies of every scary story at that time I moved on from scary stories and I was reading King Arthur legends so it didn't matter as much to me right yeah Oh man, that's awesome. Um, okay, so I am going to ask you to tell me a story. Um, okay. So imagine that I am just hanging out with you at Mothman Festival and it's somehow during a lull in activity. Maybe it's pouring down rain or uh, it's just so ridiculously hot as it tends to be and there's not as many people around. And I come over and say, Kristen, tell me a story. What would you tell me? Well, first off, I'd ask you if you'd ever heard of Tommy Rawhead. The answer is no. (laughs) No. So there's this poem and every family tells it differently. I only know a small part of it. And I've looked at other versions and they're all different. 
kind of eerie in a way because like this is a figure that's everywhere no matter where you are this guy's here and it goes raw heads and bloody bloodied bones take people from their home brought to a dirty den they are never seen again that's scary <laughs> yeah I could, personally i don't believe in any monster maybe the black panther i'm a very skeptical person mm-hmm. but when you're out at night in the woods i live out in the middle of nowhere there's just woods everywhere Mm -hmm. you walk outside it's black you see all the stars and all the sounds are loud and you 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 get a little scared maybe tommy rawhead is real maybe maybe that's what i'm hearing out there and the story goes that during the day he hides in the dirt but only under trees that have those big hollowed out spots okay and he waits until the sun goes down and if you're outside it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter if you have a light he doesn't care as long as you're alone and there's no one else so no matter (laughs) how quiet you are he can hear you and you can hear him tunnel up from the ground it's the first sound but you have to be standing still and quiet then he's coming towards you you can hear chains rattling because not only is this an almost omniscient man he is ever living and he was so evil that these people bound him with chains but he's so powerful that he escaped so powerful and hungry but he's also so hungry that he just kind of thrashes about and scratches himself on the trees on the ground on people's furniture that his whole body is raw and bloody and it never heals. My grandma would say he never heals because he's evil and evil can't have anything good happen to him. So he's just like this epitome of evil and darkness. So he moves towards you. And once, once you've heard his chain, he knows like your soul. He knows exactly where you live, where you're going, what you're thinking. You hear the chains grow louder and louder. And if you don't run home, he will capture you, bring you to his den, and eat you. And you'll become part of his bloody bones, which are just a collection of all the victims he's taken throughout his whole life. But if you run home, you're still not safe because Tommy Rawhead can squeeze through any open space. And that's part of why he's all stretched up, because he forces his body in these awful you know, in human ways. Yeah. So if you're afraid Tommy Rawhead is in your house, you have to stay up all night and never open a closet or cupboard again. Because if you go to sleep, <laughs> if you go to sleep, you'll hear his bag of bones rattling because he's coming to capture you. And you'll hear his chains rattling and like these really like really loud thunderous stomps of him walking. He's just he's like a larger than life creature that will fill up a whole room. And he'll just He'll get you if you go to sleep. But if you stay up all night when you first heard heard Rawhead, then he will hide in your house and wait for you. And he'll be sitting atop the bones. He's made like a den in your house. And mm-hmm. if you open up the place where he's hiding and expose him, then you're dead. So you can't escape him is what I'm hearing. You can move out. That's an option. <laughs> 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 or or just never open a closet or cupboard again. Yeah, or sleep. That's your own. That's it. 
well if you sleep you're probably dead yeah there's, there's not really not a lot of options <laughs> so just <laughs> don't leave your house by yourself yeah at night don't do it that's the moral story just don't yeah wow how how does that differ from in other areas um sometimes he drowns you <laughs> um, sometimes the bloody bones are a figure of their own mm. and i guess in southern folklore it's a pig that rawhide is a pig that also is bone Mm-mm. that that upsets me more somehow no no matter what he's either eating people or eating children and he's always really really gory and murderous wow all right but now i'm that's gonna the in- <laughs> that's the first entry in my new book where i'm writing a little poem that rhymes like the old one this nice. will be a lot longer and, and a lot longer. i'm excited for that When's that coming? I was, um, maybe a year. I was working on it last night. And I had to stop because it was dark. I'm getting scared. <laughs> That's oh. when I was working on the ghost in the West Virginia book. It always I stop working because I'm like it's really dark in here, and there's just something about getting in that headspace when it's dark that it makes you afraid of things that you know you're just making up. Right at times. Yeah. That's awesome, though. I'm going to look into this guy, too, and I can't wait for your Ohio bestiary to come out. Yeah. That's going to be super awesome. Um, it's a real good one if you like to see the differences in folklore and how it's kind of evolved over the years and how different families have done their own thing with it. Because this is the coal miners version, I think. Okay. Because there's like, there's like a southern plantation, and I think slaves were a big part of how the story spread. Mm-hmm. and then um i think further up north they have like their, a different version too that's more tame and the water version is only linked to europe a really specific place in europe yeah where where do you find this like what what is your your process when you start looking into these stories uh the internet the internet is wonderful and then mm-hmm. um really old archived message boards those are fascinating people oh, yeah. would just say wild stuff in the early 2000s <laughs> and then um you know books old newspapers are great folklore magazines that aren't published anymore the six the 60s had a lot of really great preservation of old lifestyles and superstition there's a couple of magazines i found from colleges back then which is it's weird because they're hard to find mm-hmm. for something that happened some it's hard to find things that it's not that people don't care about them. It's just a lot of people aren't looking, I guess. Right. But they, they exist. It's, you really have to dig to find things. Yeah. That and people, people will contact me, but more often than not, I'll just be going to the grocery store and talking to someone and they'll be like, yeah. Oh, you write monster stories. Well, I've got a story for you. <laughs> and it's yeah. usually the best thing I've ever heard every time. It's always yeah it's always great that's awesome oh man well i'm so glad that you took time to talk to me today can you tell us one upcoming projects and where to find you um and also your etsy uh, <laughs> yeah 
because <laughs> this shirt's amazing uh, and your b-series well, there and prince yeah i'm glad you like it um i post pretty frequently on instagram under ballerism underscore folklore and that's where i'll i'll post pretty much all my work there mm-hmm. i sell prints and stickers and books and shirts and sometimes pottery when i have time to make it on my yeah. Etsy, which is also valley raven and I work on a sort of dramatic retelling of my monster collection through my podcast, Forfin. I don't, I don't know if you've listened to it, but it's kind of like a radio show, but a nature documentary. Awesome. And we just throw you in, these things exist and we're gonna tell you how to protect yourself, like what their history is and what they eat. I love what their, it. What their love life is, it's a little fun. <laughs> That sounds amazing. I'm going to listen to that today. That's yeah. I saw the yeah. post on Instagram about it. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy making it. It just takes a lot of time to edit because we make our own monster sounds. So we'll, so we'll just spend the day. It's just like, what would a little ape that things sound like? We ask our friends or like relatives, Hey, can you do something really weird for me today? We just need you to like screech really loud. <laughs> but other than that, um, I have a website where I post all my findings. I'm trying to get the full encyclopedia entries onto this website. Yeah. To me, it's not, it's more important to me that the stories are shared and like they're known. It's, that's why I do it is to preserve them and to like see them grow. And I want, I want to see people appreciate them too. So mm-hmm. I have, uh, it's called Museum, or what is it? Museum of Monsters and Magic. Ooh, okay. And if you go on there, it'll have a full list of all of our entries, plus D&D stats. Yeah. Nice. So it's a lot of fun, and we're going to keep adding more and more to it, and try to get, our goal is to cover everything completely, which will probably die before then, but hopefully I'll have someone to pass the torch on. So you have yeah. to keep doing this. That's right. 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. Make it a family business. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. And for anybody watching, if you have suggestions on who I should interview next, uh, please leave a comment below or send me an email at heather at smalltownmonsters.com. Uh, make sure that you like, subscribe join the channel and become a squad member for more small town monsters awesomeness all right until next time